0: welcome to the alien probe podcast today is april 29th and i've got uh matt whiting and our guest today colin saunders thanks colin for joining in um he's the author of uh, triangular ufos of the united kingdom uh, we appreciate you coming on there colin um how are you doing
1: i'm doing fine thanks doug and uh and Matt, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast to chat about the book, absolutely, and, uh, and about my own sighting experience.
0: Yeah, we look we look forward to uh, listen, you know, hearing about your uh, experiences. Yes, sir.
1: Okay, shall we go straight into it? Let's Race do it. On? Okay, um, before I go to the actual sighting, I'll give you a quick rundown of my career history and why I believe I make such a good uh, witness. So basically. I have been a draftsman all of my life, electrical design draftsman. I'm 64 now. I'm still drawing. <clears throat> so I've spent my whole life doing um, drawings and computer-aided design. And uh, I've worked notably in the air- aircraft industry. <clears throat> I have to excuse me; I've got a bit of a cold coming on. Oh. But I've worked on the uh, European Airbus in Germany. Spent a year in Hamburg. Um, and I also spent two years in Sweden working for Saab Aerospace on a civilian aircraft. And um, I've also spent some time in New Zealand and also importantly, um, a year in Aberdeen working for Chevron Petroleum. Uh, And that was interesting because there was the odd offshore trip that I made and they sort of drilled it into you, you had to get all the information correct. Because once you're back on shore, you need to draw up what you've seen. And if you've got something wrong, you can't just go back and look at what you've missed. So that sort of training became invaluable on the night of the encounter with the UFO. Because, you know, obviously I took in all of the detail as much as I could that night. And then as soon as I got home, started making drawings of the of the craft.
0: Nice.
1: Um, also, notably along the way, I did become AutoCAD user of the year in 1992 here in the UK. So that shows I've got a lot of um, CAD experience and, and drafting experience in general. Mm-hmm. So the models I've built and eventually the one I'll show you uh, are basically an exact copy of what we saw that night. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Matt, Matt wants a copy of that by the way you're have a mass produced yeah. so we can get one yeah, we'll be putting them on eBay <laughs> um, to go to the sighting it was the 31st of March 1999 we are going out for a bar meal it was my mother-in-law's birthday she was 72 that day and there was two car loads. my wife was driving one of the cars with my mother-in-law and myself and my daughter so we were in that car that my wife was driving and then my brother-in-law who lived next door to the mother-in-law he uh, had got a french partner and her grandparents were over from france and they were coming out for a bar meal with us as well so the eight of us set off in two vehicles and we went to a tiny village in the uk countryside called paleton it's in the county of warwickshire Uh, we lived at hinckley in leicestershire at the time but very close to the Leicestershire, Warwickshire border. So we would had the bar meal and then we come to leave. So like I said, my wife was driving, my mother-in-law was sitting in the front seat on the passenger seat on the near side. I was sitting behind my mother-in-law and my daughter was in the back with me. As we left, I remember looking around and seeing my brother-in-law helping the old French people into the Range Rover that they was in. And she was quite old and frail. So she was struggling to get on board. But I thought, well, they'll catch us up on the way which they didn't but that's we'll come to that so we left and drove through the countryside and it was about um a mile a mile and a half to the junction of the Foss way now the Foss way is an old Roman road apparently built on ley lines and a short distance and um, from where we turned onto it is a place called High Cross where the Watlin Street another Roman road passes where they join it's called high cross like i say so the intersection of two roman roads and two lay lines because i know quite a few people are into ley lines but that's by the side really really so we came up to the foss way and somebody said oh we're turning on to the Foss now and my daughter daughter laughed and said oh there's been talk of headless horsemen down here uh, so we all had a bit of a chuckle and we said yeah we'll keep our eyes open for in there and as soon as we turned the corner there were the lights Half a mile away by the side of the road, <clears throat> the bright red lights and the white light mingled in and they were flashing away like you've never seen before. Absolutely, incredibly bright. And wow. it's exactly half a mile. So I went back the next day, measured the distance. So we drove towards these lights talking about. I'm saying what on earth could they be? There's too many lights for an airplane and too many for a helicopter. It'd be too low for an airplane anyway. These were right by the side of the road. So we drove to the lights and we pulled up once we got next to them now I would say they were no more than 100 feet away now I always use the analogy that uh, a friend of mine's got a narrowboat that I steer on the canal it's 70 foot long so I know the distances so when I say 100 feet I mean 100 feet I could have hit it with a cricket ball oh, So wow. close. but at this point amazingly enough there was no craft it was just lights and as we stopped like I say more or less underneath these lights there were four big red lights on the back and there was an angle to the earth. They weren't flat with the earth. I'll show you show, show on this so you, this is the larger model that we'll come to eventually. But basically the, um, the craft was tilted at an angle oh, like this, or right. well, the lights were at an angle, yeah. there was no craft. And I was staring at this light here, the end light, and it seemed to have like a crisscross effect in, in the light lens, but it wasn't etched into it, it wasn't a material. It looked like it was a side effect of the light coming out. It was like a grid, like a crisscross effect coming from the the beam that was actually coming out from the red light. But like I say, there were four of these in the line tilted about 30 degrees. Now I could see a smaller red light off to one side, and um, a little bit of mist and some white light all mingled in. But so bright, I mean, it was fantastic to look at and I love fireworks, firework displays, things like this. Now as I'm staring at this end light and looking at this grid effect, I noticed that the sky all of a sudden started to ripple around the lights. And that's when I had the thought there's something there. It's not just lights, it's not ball or just balls of lights are suspended in the air. There's actually something around the lights. And at that point, it de-cloaked just like Star wow. Trek. Oh. The Klingons decloaked the ship. <laughs> it was just like that, right in front of us. It was absolutely wow. incredible. And it became metallic. Now, as it uh, materialized, I noticed because I, I was looking at this area here. I noticed on this wingtip here, the little cloud formed along it, like vaporization on the corner. And um, at that point, once it became solid, it, it floated up in the air like this. Oh, wow. It floated up like a um, submarine <laughs> oh, under water. <man. laughs> and the important thing here, like, it was the top surface. Not many people get to see the top of the triangle. Right. Everybody sees the bottom. Oh, Always. Yeah. So we were looking at the top of this triangle. Now, if you look at the surface, we've tried to yeah. replicate it on this model. The surface looked like it was liquid. It looked like it was alive. Right. Liquid was running wow. up and down the surface. But the beams that were interlocking on the surface were solid. They were not uh, shimmering. So it wasn't a heat effect or electromechanical effect that was causing the liquid effect on the surface. It was definitely a liquid. And it looked like it was running from top to bottom continuously, like in a cycle and the best way to describe it would be like a lake at night when the moonlight's shining on it and it's got a slight nipple and it's catching some of the uh, peaks and troughs of the waves yeah. it, it looked like that on the surface with the beams on top it looked like it was alive it looked organic but obviously manufactured so as it reared up in the air in front of us completely filling the field of vision I had three thoughts the first one was aliens exist that yeah. was my right. second one was that abdu- abductions must take place right. and the third one yeah. that this explained things from history that we don't understand because i got the feeling that these guys have been around for a long long time so at this point then once it reared up in front of us well to the side my wife uh, sorry my mother-in-law myself and my daughter are staring at this um, craft but my wife who was the driver and had stopped the car decided to pull into a gateway that was to one side because she was worried about you know, having an accident, even though there was no track whatsoever. Yeah. So she put her hazard flashes on, pulled forwards, and there was this large hedge, and it blocked the view momentarily. And I thought to myself, if it's going to go, <laughs> it's going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> we burst into the gateway, we jumped out, sure enough, it had gone. Just oh. like And there was no smell of any aviation fuel. It was extremely quiet. You could hear a pin drop. But more importantly in the distance there was this craft going away with four red lights on the back of it but it was enormous it was like the size of a football pitch now i've worked in the aircraft industry and i've been to a few air shows so i've seen quite a lot of aircraft and this is the biggest thing i've ever seen flying in the sky and we stood there and looked at that i thought that is just so weird initially i thought the small one had grown into the large one because i knew nothing about ufos i had no interest in ufos whatsoever before the encounter so it wasn't something that we were looking for. It was just something that occurred. So we watched the uh, the large craft going away, and then we got back into the car and drove home, talking about it all the way home. And we got back to the mother-in-law's house, and there's a Range Rover with the uh, the French people. They were already there, and they've also they've got them out of the car. They we were inside the house having a cup of tea. So they obviously arrived home a, a while before us, but they never saw us, and they never saw us in the gateway. and. They never saw the craft which oh. was, we don't know how that could have occurred but because they should have been right behind us but they saw nothing right it was oh, just like it was us at the time there was no other traffic no aircraft nothing it was just absolutely amazing incredible so that was the sighting. that's in 1999 the 31st of march and um there is a little bit more to it but i tend to come back to that yeah rather than doing everything in one shot this is what we we'll call yeah. the uh, the nuts and bolts of the sighting because there is a little bit of power para, paranormal activity attached to the sighting
0: yeah
1: uh, which we'll get to so basically once we got back then we started doing drawings and um making sketches and the next day i started making models at this point in my career i, I was actually working from home i set my own business up and i've got three people working for me which Proved to be a godsend, because I couldn't concentrate on work. All I wanted (laughs) was was to draw this craft and then make models of it. So initially I drew it on the coral draw, got some lovely drawings, and then I printed those and made some paper models. Now I got in touch with the UFO magazine here in the UK, which used to be, it's no longer going unfortunately, a guy called Graham Birdsall. Now he put me in touch with a gentleman called Omar Fowler, who specialised in triangular UFOs. Now, he sent me some information about different sightings around the, the UK, uh, but one of them was from Belgium, which caught my eye, because when we saw the craft, we only saw the rear at the top with the interlocking lines. Now, the um, pamphlet that Omar sent to me, there was a, 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 a view from um, Belgium. There was a sighting in Belgium where the young guy had seen the underneath of a triangle, and he made this <laughs> Nice. Now, this has got the interlocking beams raised <laughs> off the surface again, you know, in relief, exactly the same as I got on the top of ours. So I thought it's just too much of a coincidence. Right, yeah. So I took the Belgium sighting to make the bottom of the craft, but we never actually saw the craft, the bottom of the craft. Right. We just saw the rear end and the top. Now, I say that with a little bit of hesitation because we, when it first materialised, I could see what appeared to be a diamond shape. Now, looking at the, when I built the craft i instinctively built it with a flat bottom right. when i was playing with it one night and i pulled the nose down slightly you can the see the diamond. silhouette of a yeah. diamond come yeah. into shape yeah more importantly what comes into view is this little red light at the front because when i was staring at the four big red lights at the back in a perfect line there was one little red light off to one side that was smaller and it seemed to have a mist around it um and that would then be this one underneath the nose. Right. And I realised now, after all these years, that when it materialised, all three points, all three corners would have had vaporisation on the corners. So what, when we glimpsed what looked like a diamond shape, we was actually glimpsing just a tiny bit of the underneath, the red light at the front, and the vaporisation around the red light. Mm. We saw that just before it then like floated up in into the air. Wow. So it was quite, uh, so, quite exciting when I realised that. I, well, it made sense of the sighting. Once I tilted the nose down I got this this view of the craft. I also over the years came up with the idea that um trying to figure out why it was at thirty degrees to the earth like that, yeah. rather than being straight. And I think I figured it out because by tilting it like that, it, it was tilting towards us. As we were coming along in the car, it's actually showing more of the underneath so right. we get a better view of the yeah. lights. Yeah even though there was no craft there at the time it was just lights no craft whatsoever yep. just the lights but i believe they did that on purpose that was intentional to grab our our attention mm. so i uh built a model my first one uh after making a few paper ones and doing a little mm. presentation at omar's um ufo group i then got some some wooden dowling and some plywood and made a little triangle and stuck the pictures onto that, that dog got from Coral draw and it looked pretty good um it didn't have the lines raised upon the surface and no lights in it now that that one got stolen strangely enough from a van that was parked on my driveway somebody broke into my van and stole an old cassette player which would be worse next to nothing even in them days we were playing cds back in 99 (laughs) (laughs) But but the thing was when i took the van to my friend to be repaired he said it had been professionally broken into oh wow and he, he didn't understand why somebody would do that just to pinch a cassette player. Somebody with them skills would be doing more expensive vehicles. But then I come to look for the model and I know the last time I had it was in the van and it had gone, it wasn't there. And I never did find it again. Over all these 24 years now, it never turned up. So whoever took the cassette player also took the uh, the model. Whether Whether they realized what it was or not, I don't know. It may have been intentional, but may just be a bit of paranoia but you know just because you're paranoid doesn't mean they're not after you (laughs) that's right (laughs) that that led me on to my second model which i've got here now again this is a plywood model but this time i've got some flashing lights and a switch
0: Right. all right that's cool nice made made
1: this one um this was lovely yeah I kept it in my briefcase, and every time I took it out of the briefcase, it would make me shake with excitement. It would just <laughs> take me back to that night to right. the encounter. Very cool. It was just absolutely marvellous. Um, then what happened? A friend of mine came along. Um, the model was great, but it hadn't got the lines raved off the surface. And a friend of mine, John Mills, came to me one day, and he said he bought a 3D printer, and he wanted to experiment and, and do my UFO. So I thought, great, at last we're going to get the beams on the surface. So he he made the first model. This is the one here. And this is a a small, like A5 sort of size model. Right. And it's got lights, battery pack, and all the rest of it in. Yeah. And it's got the raised beams on the surface. Uh, But you you can see Wow. Yeah.
0: Which was great.
1: Um, But it wasn't exact. I mean, we were were getting there. Um, And when I talked about the craft, up towards it. i've got john to make me a transparent craft okay so this is um how it would have appeared on the night as we drove towards it this this is trying to show how all of the lights you know when you put this in the darkened room uh, when you're doing the presentation it looks fantastic you know what right. i mean oh, it just gives you the right nice. impression of what it looked like as we drove towards it so john made me this transparent triangle as well which very is very nice. Really nice so it's brilliant all store. right That's that awesome. lies, but this is how oh, it looked wow. as it actually materialized before it became a solid. Right. Yeah. So then I came up with an idea because I know John has spent some time on this model. I said, let's try and sell some on eBay. And if I sell enough, will you make me a big model with the liquid surface and the silver beams? And he agreed. So we set about selling these little models. Um, he also took a fancy to this flying saucer that I've got behind me. Right. So he made one of those as well. He's also made a cigar. <laughs> Are they,
0: are they still on eBay? Can we still get uh, them?
1: The, the small triangles on eBay? Yeah. And oh, okay. I think oh, I'm in. I'm cigars in. <laughs> as well, yeah. Yeah. Same.
0: And They're the smaller
1: versions, though, not the larger version. Cool. So, in the end, we sold enough, and John agreed to build this one. Mm-hmm. So, this is the the final uh, version. This is like a full size craft. That's now, amazing. on this, you can see we spend a lot of time and money getting the surface oh, to look yeah. like right, a line raised. Liquid. And then we got the silver yeah. beams on top of that. Yeah. The lights yeah. on the back also have even got like a slight grid effect to oh, them as yeah. well Oh yeah. So, yeah, to achieve. And then the, the bottom, like yeah. I say, is, is based on the uh, on the Belgium side him. Right. Now I said to John, once I got the big model, I'll, I'll go out and do uh, a couple of presentations. So last year I went to the OLM conference, Outer Limits magazine, here in the UK, and uh, I did my presentation, showed people the model, and it, it went down really well. I always think it's a lot more tangible having a model, something 3D to show people rather than just stand and talk or show drawings, oh, yeah. even. You know, yeah. the actual model makes it far more oh, yeah. um, tangible. Well, I was chatting to uh, a couple of guys there, the Kinsella twins, very nice gentlemen. Um, one of them had had a, an experience with a triangle. And um, Philip suggested I write a book. Well, I thought about perhaps writing a book but not until I retire. I'll be retiring soon? I'm 64 now, another year or so. Yeah. But I thought, yeah, maybe I should start it now. Because over the 24 years, I've, a lot of people have got in touch with me and I've researched all about triangles, basically. Not just the UK, but triangles around the world, world, because that's what I saw that night. If I'd have seen a flying saucer, then I'd be researching saucers or cigars. Um, So I decided once I wrote my story up, I then started putting other people's experiences in as well, and then asking for new experiences. And in total, I've got 130 different close encounters with triangles in the UK, which is quite wow. phenomenal. Really. Yeah, there's a lot. Uh, I think the oldest one's 1957. Then they come come up to date. Wow. So that was the um, the impetus for writing the book. But the funny thing is. Um, Times are changing a bit now. When I first started doing all of this, I only ever talked about nuts and bolts, but there was a bit of a weird thing happened on the night. So we'll talk about that now. Yeah, um, sure. Because it is becoming more mainstream. So I never used to talk about this, but now I do. It's not that amazing, but well, to me it is. Yeah. So what happened was, if we go back to the night on the 31st of March, as the craft tilted up in the air like this, floated in the air, it was like somebody had got a pair of binoculars and put them in front of my eyes like that. Because all of a sudden, I could see the craft close up. I could. See, it was like this close oh, on the, wow, on the joints there. So that was one view. Then the next view was the nose, and it was so close I couldn't see the beams mm. underneath anymore. I could only see the nose. Right. And then this side view of a central white core, the top and bottom are rolled over like hovercraft skins. Right. And mm-hmm. where they joined onto this white core, there was no welding, no nuts and bolts, no rivets. No. Yeah teams, We would not have been able to see that side view from um, where we were sitting in the car. Right. So yeah. this is extra views that I would got of the craft which helped me to build the exact model. Now we got chatting about it the next day and I I was basically convinced that I had an out of body experience. That was how I thought I got yeah. to see the craft close up. Kept putting other things through my mind, you know, did we did we actually get out of the car? Did we get closer to it? Did we go on board? None of that yes. I don't think occurred. I think it was just somehow I got this out-of-body experience. I started reading books out of the library, trying to do it again, but it couldn't do it. Um, But then all, what also started to happen, and it started the next day, we started to have some strange things happen. Like First of all, we had a lot of electrical problems the very next day around the house with the TV going down on, as a, a video board oh. broke broke up. A clock started working, the electric clock, that had never worked. Uh, hard drives, one, one of the computers went down. <laughs> all sorts oh. of things. but this was just the start because then I started to have other paranormal experiences, and these lasted for a couple of years. Um, some of them were minor ones and some were a bit more traumatic. So one of them, um, I'll tell you about, I've listed them when I was having these odd things happen, I, I'd write down what had occurred and put the date. so I've put them all in, into the book in, in date order. But the most scariest one, and this is the only time I would, I've ever been fighting in this UFO encounter. I know it's going to sound crazy, but here we go. Well, yeah. I was fishing. <laughs> no. <laughs> <Down there. laughs> and um, and um, I was standing in the water in my waders, having a great time because I love fishing. And I could hear some footsteps coming across the field towards me. And I thought, that's a bit unusual. It could be some farm workers down there shooting. So i will climb up and make myself known to them. So I climbed up onto the riverbank and this noise is continuing, but there's no nobody there. And it's coming towards me and it's getting closer and closer. And I think this is a big cat. This cat's gonna come for me like a leopard or something. Right. <laughs> so I took this spike out of my rod holder that I used for my umbrella. And my idea was that if it was a cat, I was gonna go back down the bank and get it to jump on me. And then and pay it on its own way to come over. <laughs> I went through my mind that quick, trying to figure out what, what the best escape route was. Right. Excuse me, and it walked towards me and it was getting louder and louder. And it walked right in front of me from left to right. It couldn't have been more than a few feet in front of me, you know, four feet, six feet away. Really loud as well, four footsteps, not two, but four footsteps. And then it just started to drift away quietly. I tried to flush it out, being a bit brave towards the end, but <laughs> nothing came out. And I stood there and I thought, that's, that's something you hear about, that that's not here. There's something there, but it's not in our world as it is at the moment right and that was the time talking matt that i decided that the ufo was um interdimensional because i've been having quite a few experiences since the ufo and i had nothing prior to the UFO. so for like the first 40 years of my life nothing
0: yeah
1: then the ufo and then quite a lot of stuff over the next 18 months two years and then it calmed down after that i still see bits now and again but those early days were quite quite amazing. And as an engineer, I just found it absolutely mind-blowing. The yeah, whole life. It's incredible. Wow. So, I've, I've clung to this theory of the out-of-body experience. And um, I quite like the idea because it meant you could live without your body. So maybe there'd the be life after death. Right. Like yeah. Right. But, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> um, the... UFO magazine, Graham Birdson and Russell Callahan, they put on some fantastic conferences in Leeds, in the north of England. And I met quite a few interesting people there. And so I was introduced to, like, Stanton Freeman, Dr. Roger Lear, Stephen Greer. But more importantly, I met Bud Hopkins, the late Bud Hopkins. Yep. And um, after his talk, he, he was taking questions uh, in, in a private room, like, so there's a queue of us then chatting to him so i got my chance and i got my model with me um so t- the first wooden model and i was telling bud about what had occurred and that i'd got these uh, close views it was like somebody put binoculars in front of me isaac and i believe about an out-of-body experience and bud says to me no no it wasn't an out-of-body experience it was alien telepathy They were images placed in your mind from them wow. on board the craft i thought Well wow, that's a bit yeah. bit far out isn't it
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a download <laughs>
1: yeah. so I I, I I wrote about it i put it in with all the other weird things that were going on but i didn't take it on board as such but i kept it on the back burner yeah and i was still clinging to the um the outer body experience but what happened then with one of the smaller models of the triangle i did a presentation to a birmingham ufo group birmingham here mm-hmm. in the uk in the midlands and um Afterwards, the host um, said to me, Dave, Dave Holden, that he had a case that was a bit similar. And it was a couple of guys who had seen a UFO and they, they followed it. And it landed in a field and it was quite a distance from where they were. And they stood on the, on this gate watching the activity. And they said that uh, some aliens got out of the craft. And then all of a sudden, uh, an alien's face was right in front of his face. he'd like... T- telepathically come across the field, wired up to him and told him wow. he shouldn't be there and he's got to go. And I thought, well, that's um, similar to what had happened, but not quite yeah. the same. But then as coincidences go, within two weeks, I got an email from America from a guy in Connecticut. And he's never spoke to anybody. He's not spoken to MUFON or anybody like that. And he's only spoken to me because he'd seen me on uh, on the web talking about the close viewing with the guy called David, uh, Richard Hall. Um, So anyway, the email started off by saying, just like you, I've had three images placed in the mind when I was having a close encounter with a triangle here in Connecticut. And he gave me the story about it. And this triangle, he'd seen it, it came down really close. And he said, as as he was looking at it, trying to remember all the detail for later on, he said, all of a sudden, he was right next to it, like six foot away from it. He said, the first view, the first view was um, some pipe work like refrigerator pipes on the outside the second view was a ball of light or plasma and the third view he thinks was actually inside the craft oh oh wow and yeah. when i read that i'd also been listening to a lot of um dr david jacobs work with abductees where they talk about um mm-hmm. telepathy you know telepathy crops up all the time but they were saying that sometimes they put pictures in your mind rather than words now in my naivety, I always thought that telepathy would be words going backwards and forwards. But sometimes yeah. it can just be images. And that's when the pain yeah. dropped. I thought, yes, Bud Hopkins was right all those years ago. He's yeah. correct. They did put images in my mind. And that made more sense then for two reasons. Yeah. One was if it was an out of body experience, when it when it went from the nose to the side view, why did I not see the craft roll? Why right, was it yeah. like pictures? You would have thought that if it was an out-of-body experience you'd you'd be seeing it in real time moving around rather than three instant images so that would make sense and then the other reason was that i couldn't fathom out the other three occupants of the car my wife my daughter and my mother-in-law were not having these extra paranormal experiences it was only occurring to me so i figured out the day at the river with the (laughs) invisible creature that they must have done something to my mind that night and obviously what they did was to give some telepathy and in doing that it sort of opened up a little bit of my mind to let, let these other things come through right and then i realized that these other things that i was seeing and hearing must be here all the time without us knowing because we don't perceive them yeah but i was allowed to perceive them for a while and now uh, it seems to have faded away again but that was <clears throat> i was quite a quite a revelation when um when, it, when i got that email to say that it was telepathy And I believe now that's possibly what did take place. Makes sense. But we don't know. It's a science we don't really understand. I mean, for 20 years, I thought I'd have an out-of-body experience. But now, for the last four years, I think it was telepathy that took place. So we need to keep an open mind still. It could turn out to be something completely different. I don't know.
0: More mysteries.
1: So that's pretty much the the story of uh, the encounter and the weird things that happened afterwards. Now, when I was writing the book and people were, Getting in touch with me i was asking them if they had any other paranormal experiences and there were more people saying yes than no which didn't surprise me in a way because i knew that was the case so i actually got a chapter a whole chapter on people who have had ufo experiences and paranormal experiences because i do believe the two are connected yeah in well. and i think that's because of the dimensions basically
0: do you think it's interdimensional you still stay in uh, maintain that it possibly is interdimensional, Colin? I do, yes, yeah. But we
1: have to keep an open mind, don't we, because we don't really yeah. know. I mean, <clears throat> I do believe it's dimensional because of the residue that was left with me from the telepathy yeah. and seeing these other things and the amount of people who've had paranormal experiences and then UFO experiences just seem to be that connection. But there is a possibility, once we learn to do this, maybe we could pop across to another dimension travel a little bit, come back Mm -hmm. out again, but rather than being here, be like 300 light years away.
0: Yeah, That that
1: might be a possibility. So if that's the case, then maybe some um, people, some uh, humanoids or whatever in our universe who are far more advanced than us have already figured this out. So we may have a mixture of proper dimensional beings Mm -hmm. and possible beings from our own universe which are using dimensions to travel here it's a bit of a wild guess, but I don't know. I wouldn't discount it. Yeah, right. Discount anything with this weird yeah. subject. It's very <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's very true. But it is real. I mean, it did blow me away. You know, yeah. with all my work I've done over the years to find out all of a sudden that not just the fact that aliens exist, but paranormal stuff as well. You know, the ghosts and all that sort of thing. They're all there. You know what people have seen in history. It's incredible.
0: Yeah, it's, yeah, the subject of the UFOs as it goes on. We're still trying to figure it out. Over here in the U.S., you know, we're trying to divulge. We're trying to figure out what it actually is. We've got the government involved. And I know Matt and I talk all the time. To, um, Have you been watching what's been going on with the Senate and Arrow um, and all that? Bits of it, yeah. But they were saying that the latest ones wasn't worth
1: it watching to be honest yeah it really nothing came out
0: of it right yeah they, they don't came, know what they are do they came, I mean, there they, must be somebody somewhere who knows what they are right well yeah that's our hope I mean you know we're MUFON members and we you know we meet monthly and you know yeah. people come in and they tell different <laughs> stories about their experiences and um yeah. there's something there we just you know I, I just wish that I think the government knows a lot more than they're telling yeah. yeah, but maybe they
1: don't know all of the facts, which is why they're not telling. Could be. It's
0: such a strange,
1: strange, strange subject. I mean, one of the things people often say is, that oh, it's TR-3B. But when you work in the aircraft industry, I mean, when you manufacture a, a craft, you keep it pretty much the same all the time because you know it's going to work and it's going to fly. So like the F-117, the Niotorque and the B-2 Spirit, they, they kept the same design. Yeah, yeah. they made what, like a hundred of each didn't make a lot of them right. but you don't go making uh, big design changes on every aircraft that you manufacture
0: Yeah.
1: not just because of the spare parts that you're going to need to keep in stock but the maintenance of all these crafts and the maintenance crews it's going to be a logistical nightmare yeah. so if you take my book there's 130 accounts yeah. no two are exactly the same Right, you know, the sizes vary, the lights vary the colours vary that's just scratching the surface. There's got to be thousands of these triangles around. Right. So yeah. If these were man-made, you would need an enormous fleet of spare yeah. parts and people just to keep them all flying. And if you multiply that by the amount of triangles around the world, then it's just... <laughs> it's, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> you also wouldn't be flying them at rooftop height in... Maybe populated civilian areas. It's right. yeah. doing that. You know that's happening all the time.
0: Yeah, you're not turning them sideways so you can see the lights <laughs> more. If you're trying to keep that a secret. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely incredible. Well, it's almost as though it divulges itself to you on purpose. <clears throat> that, you know, I don't know. It just seems like you were a vehicle by which you know to convey this thing it, yeah. you know because yeah, yeah, like a, yeah well,
1: almost it, like it knew yeah it did i mean it was waiting for us i believe it was waiting for right. us right yeah. i believe it, we happened to be in the right place at the right time and the strangeness about the whole event and nobody else being involved when there should have been really some other people seeing it it was just us for that brief time the closeness of the encounter the detail that I was shown and then the close viewing the um the images they were all like if you like to get me to build the model and to eventually write the book so right. yeah right i've often thought why did it occur because these are really intelligent advanced creatures they're in charge of all it's not us yeah right so why did they do this to us what what was the point and the only thing i can think is that this is some sort of part of a this subtle disclosure by writing yeah. the book doing yeah. these podcasts and making yeah, a model exactly you know, see great. how it builds up over the next couple of years and see if it uh, gets a bit more mainstream but yeah I do believe it happened for a purpose what I've also thought um, <clears throat> I asked my wife to drew, draw what she saw now she didn't see the craft materialise, but she's seen the lights when we drove towards yeah. them now she drew three red lights in a perfect equilateral triangle there's no way we could have seen that from the angle we were yeah, coming up right not when it was mixed in with the four on the back and a bit of white in the middle because we didn't know what we were looking after at all when we first approached it and then when we stopped next to it to the rear of it and by the way it was that low if the if it had tilted um from the middle it would have struck the ground so the rear end oh, stayed wow and the yeah. nose came. that's how close it was to the ground wow and like 100 feet away from us so the, a couple of months later, I asked her to draw again what she saw in the lights. And again, she drew three red lights in a perfect triangle. So then it came to me, like, this is just an idea, that the little one that was waiting for us, it was making sure that we'd seen it. There was no doubt. I and mean, it tilted itself up to expose the lights a bit more, I believe. Unless they were looking at us as well as us looking at them. <laughs> And that was almost like a bait because if you remember I said when we got out of the car there was a large craft going away from us in the distance, the size of a football pitch. Right. So if you rewind that a bit there's a possibility that when we were staring at the little craft next to us, the big one came over the top of the car. And what my wife drew was the underneath of the the large ship. Right. She drew oh, three red lights in a perfect triangle. And there's no way that the other three of us could have seen anything like that from, from that angle. So was the little one like the bait? Was it an ambush? Yeah, yeah. possibly. I don't yeah, know. Could be.
0: <laughs> I think consciousness <laughs> plays a part in sightings. I've had a few sightings myself, and consciousness definitely plays a part in it. It's not just that you know us observing it and you know seeing it, but there's there's a little more to the aspect downloads, um, you know, experiences from that.
1: Yeah. and... Uh, I've often thought as well, you know, that um, if telepathy did take place and they'd connected to me, when we pulled forward in the hedge block, the view, I actually said to myself, if it's going to go, now would be a good time. And it did. It it wasn't a good time, it was a bad time. (laughs) Being the mother in law, we would have got on board, honestly. (laughs) The
0: wife and the daughter
1: weren't so keen, but we were. (laughs)
0: Right. Right. but the
1: thought was now would be a good time but it'd be a good time for them not for me were they still in tune with me did they hear me right. say that did and, they know that. Clear off yeah, like, yeah. it was that like, the key for them to disappear because yeah. yeah. it, it left us without seeing it disappear which is a shame such a shame yeah but yeah I can say my mother-in-law who was 72 that day she would have got on board she, with me, <laughs> I was so excited, right?
0: right. <clears throat> I want to know, yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Well, my mother in law passed away, unfortunately, um, oh. during COVID of, of old age, not from uh, yeah. from COVID itself, right? right? And but when they cleared out uh, a bedroom, they found in the wardrobe all the paper cuttings on paranormal stuff, on ghosts, and things like that. Oh,
0: wow, so oh. she
1: was a very private woman, but unknown to us, she was obviously well into the paranormal stuff, right. Before the UFO event, yeah. so maybe she had a, some experiences along the way
0: with ghosts and things. So maybe it was for, for her that night. Yeah, I don't know. that's what I was going to say. Maybe, yeah. it was, maybe, she was the conduit. Yeah.
1: yeah, 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 yeah. We'll never know, will we? Unless they tell us. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. <clears throat>
1: but I have noticed this um, paranormal thing. There was a program here in the UK not long ago, last week uh, on Blaze, and it was um, was it Louis was El, elzondo El yeah Zondo. yeah, Elizondo, yeah. He, he was starting to say that they were thinking that these things are dimensional and they said on that program that a lot of people who have close encounters go on to have other paranormal experiences and they've got a name for it they call it the hitchhiker effect yeah yeah but i've never heard that before and to see that i think i've just written a book where i've talked about that where i now think it's dimensional and you get these extra paranormal activities after you've had a close encounter and there you are on the telly, saying the same sort of thing. I think this is to to people mainstream now. People are starting to realise what's going on. Coincidence? Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah,
0: yeah. Do you watch Skinwalker Ranch? Do you I know? do, yes. Yeah, I've yeah. been watching that. Yeah. What, what do you think about that show?
1: Um, It's obviously been um, dramatised a lot for the public. Yeah. And Entertainment. You know. But yeah, there's yeah. definitely some weird stuff going on down there. Yeah. They have a film of an orb with a night flying around. That that was quite interesting. They have the hitchhiker of, of
0: the hitchhiker effect on that. Yeah, they discuss that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Travis Taylor, you know, discusses Travis that. Taylor. Yeah, Travis Taylor. Yeah, he he uh, you know talks about might be the you know the experiences with that type of thing where yeah. they go home after yeah. the show and it, things are happening at the house that they kind That's of bring right, yeah. with them. I mean, people always talk about portals, don't they? So this is like a, a portal to a
1: dimension rather than a, an extra, yeah. extraterrestrial craft. Yeah, it's of a me. different... There's yeah. a light years to get here that's all covered in burn marks and re-entry marks and all that sort of thing. The craft that we saw was spotless. Yeah, right. I mean, like it just come out of the car showroom. It was beautiful. Yeah. mark on it. It was the most amazing piece of... Uh, engineering that i've ever seen yeah absolutely incredible Yeah, that's an amazing design yeah that's a
0: great model the yes
1: yeah uh, it's as close as you're going to get to the real thing this right one. It absolutely blows me away this one with the, the liquid surface you can see
0: yeah and the beam there that is incredible and the real the yeah, real yeah real, a, i was a, always seen i visualized that. seeing that that you know the black type water just literally just kind of moving when you see that yeah
1: which is what I think made it look like it was alive, like it was organic. Right. A few right. people talk about that. Yep, there
0: is. Now, if a... you go,
1: if you go through the the book, I mean, there's 130 different sightings in there. So what I did, I, I thought I'd go through and pick up on some of the things that people were saying. It's that's the book, one there. Everybody. It's a great book.
0: We both. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> Pick it up, guys. Yeah, yeah it's great definitely. Read. It's yes, that's amazing book. I love it
1: so i would have said the triangles they the black or dark gray and i think majority of time they are that sort of color right but in the book people talk about um gray black the normal colors plus orange silver gold white yeah. blue dark brown and green so all those different color triangles have been seen right and the lights again i would have said red and white sometimes they reverse the white light in the middle becomes red and the corner lights become white right. you see that's
0: yeah. But people
1: also talk about green and blue, yellow, orange, bronze, purple, and pink. Uh, yeah. Quite often as well, a beam coming down from the centre lighter. Well, that's been seen a yeah. few times. And noise. I mean, we didn't hear any noise over the noise of the car engine, of the Fiesta that we was in. But that doesn't mean it wasn't making any noise, but we just couldn't hear any yeah. noise. But other people report like a dull hum, a low oh, humming noise, yeah. like a transformer, or, uh, or buzzing, droning noise. And somebody described it as sucking like a vacuum cleaner yeah. and the sizes they all vary from quite small craft you know six foot across to football pitch size craft
0: yeah
1: and often um girders and pipes like on the back of a refrigerator yeah. seen yeah. on these craft people feel pressure as well when they get close enough
0: yeah
1: um shimmering like tin foil i thought that was a good description and rippling yeah. black tar and the movement that was an interesting one because aircraft when it floated a bit it floated like i say like a submarine underwater right. and people talk about it being fluid and gliding and floating like it's underwater sometimes it's seen going blunt end first as well so that, that's quite an interesting uh, observation but people are always talk about the way it moves it's not moving like a harrier jump jet would do in in real time right. it's floating and gliding and right. drifting around which is pretty
0: pretty exciting that's crazy <clears throat> that's amazing <laughs>
1: that's
0: a so, great got a, Go ahead, yeah sir.
1: there's a couple there's a couple in here that um got my attention that i always like to talk about yeah or read about yeah I just thought they were quite uh, quite interesting so <clears throat> if you don't mind i'll just read you one of these yeah I'm sure, sure. So, do it okay um a guy called charles b december 2011 so I guess in his scheme of things, it's not that long ago. Out with his daughter, they'd seen a light and they were trying to chase it in the car. And then he says, uh, we both reasoned it maybe it was a helicopter, but there were no strobes and no noise. Somewhere between Cleesby and Manfield, we lost sight of it as it got too low. We looked for the object, but decided to give up and turn back home. As we drove home back along the A67, I said, let's look down by the river at Low Conniskliff. With hindsight, I think they told me it was there. There was just seemed to be this paranormal connection, this consciousness connection between people and UFOs. Right. They go on yeah. to say that after driving down the track to the river, the craft was a, probably about 300 feet above the ground. It was huge, at least a 1,000 feet across. Wow. The lights at the apices were dim yellow-orange, and there was a dimmer orange light in the body towards the back. I got out of the car and stood staring at the triangle. There was total silence. I could no longer hear, even hear the traffic from the nearby A1M motorway. The body was black and it blocked out the stars, but I could see stars around it and also nearby a nearby farmhouse on a hill. It also seemed to block out the breeze. Now, I don't know whether I got closer to it or it to me, but I seemed to be right underneath it. I could see black channels etched into the underside of it, which would make you think of a docking mechanism. It seemed to be made of slate or graphite material. Very dark grey and a smooth matte texture. I could feel the presence in my whole body and a dental implant was vibrating in my mouth. Oh, no. I could see the channels covered the underside of the craft. They are probably six feet across and of a similar depth. And this is the amazing bit. I raised my hand and touched part of the craft's body between the channels. Oh, wow. I was terrified and even thought it could harm me, but I did it anyway. I pushed my fingers over it and then put my entire palm on it. It felt like a hard kitchen worktop with a matte finish. But it was not cold the next thing i remember is my daughter shouted me to come back to the car she didn't want to get out and that was the end of his sighting
0: wow well, was... that
1: is like, can you imagine a thousand foot wide trail yeah that low
0: if you could touch it yeah right yeah
1: i mean that also shows the skill of the uh, the navigators on board the craft whoever was steering yeah. the craft to, be able to get that close without Squashing the bloke on the knee—absolutely yeah. <laughs> yeah. amazing! For tearing up the, the road. Or... Yeah. There's another one I quickly touch on. Won't take long because um, I, I found this one quite amazing. Um This lady phoned me a couple of times to go through what had happened. So I think all of the uh, accounts in the book are genuine. I don't believe any of them are making these things up. I mean, why would they? Why would they They'd make this up for to get ridiculed. Really cool. Yeah. So she says. This is in 19, ooh, when was this one, 1983 in Nottingham in the UK here. He said, my friend was three years older than me and we were unemployed at the time. We decided to go and visit Dad's property, a 10 to 15 minutes walk away, and we arrived at about 8 or 9pm. The house had a football pitch just beyond the back garden with wild space surrounding it. The weather had been dry all day. When we came to leave late that night we glanced over to the football pitch via by an entrance we both spotted the mist and a triangular shaped pyramid so we decided to go and investigate the pyramid object was the size of a council house and not quite on the ground but hovering just above the ground by about a foot or two. Oh wow the pyramid looked to be made of glass and was transparent i could see swirls of colored gas inside yellow blue green in fact like a rainbow As they approached the pyramid it backed away from them but when they backed away the pyramid returned to its original position the craft then became solid for a while in fact lindsay described it as metallic with egyptian hieroglyphs on all the sides one of these hieroglyphs was a man with a bird's head carrying a long spear lindsay and her friend became nervous and decided to go home where they believed they lost between half to three quarters of an hour in time lindsay's friend plucked up courage and went back to the football pitch but the triangle of pyramid and the mist had now gone. I asked Lindsay if she had any other experience and she replied, I've seen an odd few lights throughout my life, and as a young child I had an experience while I was playing with the toys with a ghostly old lady that came and sat next to her. So that I found that to be an amazing encounter because she phoned me twice, all excited to talk okay. about this. Right. The fact that this this craft had got hieroglyphs, Egyptian hieroglyphs on the side of it. That's just amazing. So it's tying ancient history into modern yeah. ufology. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does kind of look like the Egyptian It did. Some of those. Yeah, even you know, the white yeah, eyes. I, I, yeah, you know, just just incredible for sure. A foot from the ground. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's I amazing. mean, I believe our, our craft was probably only fifty feet from right, ground. Right. Like I say, if it had tilted from the middle, it would have struck the ground. I'm sure. Why the rear end stayed where it was and the, and the nose floated up in the air, like like I say, like a submarine underwater. That's so it's been uh, it's been quite a roller coaster ride, I have to say, over <laughs> the last 24 years. I've tried to leave it alone at times, but it always comes back <laughs> to the point you can see now. I'm surrounded
0: with podcasts and books, well. yeah, <laughs> it's not going away anytime soon. Do, do you make the UFO uh show tours too? Do you go speak and or do any
1: presentations um, there? I find it very nervous, to be honest. I'm Not really. Not, not something I relish doing. Even doing these podcasts, I always get very nervous before the start. <laughs> I was but nervous I was having, having you
0: on. I go, hey. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <yes>. yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, people keep describing me as a, a researcher and an author, but I know I've written a book, but I'm just an ordinary bloke who's just happened yeah. to have written a book about yeah, my experience yeah. and information. Yeah. I, I wouldn't class myself as an author. I haven't really got any plans of doing another book not unless I get thousands more um sightings coming to me people coming with yeah. new, new stuff it's a
0: good I book. think this will
1: probably be the only one I do to be honest you know it's got my site now I
0: can't keep going over old ground but. right so how, how I, are, I'm really pleased I've done it how are sales of the book Colin? are they is it moving pretty um, good
1: I won't know until the, the end of this month which is pretty much tomorrow I think so right, yeah we'll have, I'll have a word with my agent Philip Mantle and we'll see how they're going but um, I hope so. Mainly because of the amount of interest that's been shown in it. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts, and I've got a few more to come up. yet. Yeah. And um, everybody's been so positive. Keep buying available. it. <laughs> it's yeah. Available on Amazon. Yep. Amazon.com. Yep. It's available. There's um. It's a paperback, hardback. There's a Kindle version, and there's also an audio tape as well. But oh, re- oh with the audio one, you don't get. To oh, see there is an the, audio. Yeah, you have to see this. Yeah, yeah, you have to yeah. see the images.
0: Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for those you listening have, to the uh, the podcast on Omni or Spotify or Apple wherever you listen to, um, check us out on YouTube so you can see uh, Collins models. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah they're, they're amazing. Yeah, uh, you know, it definitely they are amazing because well they are made. real. They're genuine, yeah, genuine. Right. And this,
1: they are an the exact scale model of a genuine of uh, the
0: Very cool. All right, you about to rewrap it up.
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting. It's been great chatting to thanks you. Thanks for having.
0: Yeah, you know, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, I hope all your listeners uh, in, enjoyed it. Yeah. And if you've had an experience with a triangle, then uh, buy the book. Yep. I say that because I wish the book like this had been around when I had my experience, because <laughs> you know can. there was nobody to turn to. Right. And me yeah. away. I wasn't expecting it, and there was not a lot of information around at that time. Certainly wasn't a book along these lines, and if I'd have got a book like this, it would have calmed me down. It did take me quite a while to calm down, I would say probably at least a year, if not two years. You know, I was was just quite hyper for a while. Just
0: I'm sure I'm okay with it all now.
1: You know, it's all
0: some people just want to get their story out.
1: You know, it's
0: I've got another gentleman that's had some experiences. That's simple. Came in, he wanted to come on the show, but he wanted to talk to me personally before he came on about these experiences he'll be on in a couple weeks um and he says i just i feel better just being able to talk about it you know yes it's incredible
1: i've had a lot of people contact me just to chat to talk yeah i want
0: to talk to somebody who's
1: had an experience because in the early days a a guy said to me that there's two types of people in this world one who's had an experience and those who haven't yeah and i thought at the time that sounded a bit arrogant but over the years, you tend to realize that's true. I mean, once you've had an experience, you know, you, you absolutely know that this is real. And you yeah. know that most of the other people coming, talking to you, have seen it as well. You know, they're not making it all up. No. And, no um, and and to talk to somebody who, who has seen it, uh, it, it does make you a bit more comfortable with it all. But those who haven't actually seen it, it it's very difficult for them to take on board the fact that they are here and what, what it involves. So there does seem to be two types of people: those who have been, yeah. those who haven't. <laughs> but I do admire people who, um, in the UFO world, world, are searching for craft and are trying to see them. They go out all night long on night watches with the binoculars. Yeah, they never get to see anything.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they,
1: but they keep they keep at it and then you get people like me who are not interested just driving along
0: and, and then boom <laughs> yeah I and see how it is happen. Colin I'm looking all night all the time when I see anything and you just drive along <laughs> and then boom <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's how it happens your whole paradigm shift it? <laughs> it is yeah yeah definitely
1: definitely a paradigm shift
0: awesome well let's go ahead and wrap it up thanks for right, listening. It's been great. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail.com. Visit us on Facebook. Check out our website at alienprobe.net. Twitter and Instagram at Alien Probe Pod. Like and subscribe. YouTube. Alien Probe Podcast. Thank you, Colin Saunders. We re- There's the book right there. Everybody pick it up. Get the audio yeah. version if you, you know, if you... You're not a big reader um you'll really enjoy it enjoy it thanks thank colin you. for coming on i'm sure
1: i'm sure all your listeners would enjoy it once yeah. they get a copy of it so okay. thanks awesome. for having me on doug and matt
0: i've enjoyed it's, it tremendously Thanks, thanks yeah. and move on matt yeah, thank you very much right. <laughs> take care great